0: The Internet's only all business and financial radio network. Voice America Business.
1: Welcome to The Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, The Money Answer Show has the know how to help you. Now, here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
2: Welcome to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is uh, Sharon Kadar. Uh, who, along with her co-author, Manisha Thakur, uh, has done a book called On My Own Two Feet. Uh, welcome to the show, Sharon.
3: Thank you, Jordan, for having me.
2: Um, this is a book designed, you, you call A Modern Girl's Guide to Personal Finance. Desi- tell us who this was designed for and why you think it was needed.
3: Sure. So here's the reality. Most people find the details of personal finance boring, and therefore they're actually not reading books on personal finance. So On My Own Two Feet was written, essentially assuming that most people find it, you know, boring, and therefore we dish up straightforward advice without mind-numbing detail. And I have to tell you, people are actually shocked once they've read it to say, wow, I actually finished that book and it didn't bore me to tears.
2: One of the uh, results, I guess you might say, of people not uh taking good care of their personal finances women particularly you know how are we seeing that in the economy that people are not taking care of these things adequately
3: yeah so 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 to that end there's a couple things so first of all as a nation um, I'll tell you in a second why we wrote the book for women, but as a nation, and I'm sure this won't surprise you, we have a major issue when it comes to our personal finances, so it's almost like we've seen the supersizing of America and charge it to our credit cards. Seventy um, percent of us live from one paycheck to the next, and it cuts across income lines. Uh, since On My Own Two Feet came out a year and a half ago, I've heard so many stories of people making six and seven figures literally living from one paycheck to the next, Now, specific to why this is for women, the reality is the cards are even more stacked against us. So if you think it's bad for the nation, it's even worse for women. Basically, we're twice as likely as men to live below the poverty line at retirement, uh, and it shouldn't be that way. So uh, we wrote it for our fellow females, but the reality is men are reading it too, and you know, it's pretty much the same advice.
2: And so uh, people being in debt is one sign. People living paycheck to paycheck, are people not investing as well as they could? Uh, what are some of the other signs that people are not paying correct attention to their personal finances?
3: Sure. So, so as far as we see it, let me just break it down into three pieces. There's three real pieces, um, and this is a bit, the third piece is a bit from a woman's angle, but it does also apply to men. Um, and we see problems, uh, unfortunately, in all of these areas. So saving, investing, and protecting yourself. So first of all, when it comes to saving, It's not that people want to make bad decisions, it's just that most people never learn the basics. We don't learn about personal finance growing up. You don't, you get sex education in high school, you don't get personal finance education. You know, Manish and I each have Harvard MBAs. Teaches you nothing about, you know, how much you need to save. So dishing up exactly why you save, and how much you save is a major step of empowerment for most people. So we see problems there largely because people just don't know. So, you know, kind of ignorance is bliss, and um, they don't really follow any rules of thumb when they don't know. Um, When it comes to investing, a lot of people, and that's actually where Manish and I were both analysts and portfolio managers for quite a few years and it's interesting investing intimidates a lot of people men and women and so what we see there is unfortunately you know it's hard to save money and the idea with investing to state the obvious for everyone is to make your hard-earned money work for you and to grow but a lot of people get intimidated when it comes to investing so they make choices that aren't necessarily right for their situation or they complexify things meaning they don't keep it simple. You know, just because they think, okay, I need to invest in 20 different individual stocks to have my portfolio be in solid shape. Um, and then finally, when it comes to protecting yourself, um, this one is um, actually the genesis of our second book on love and money because so, um, we talked about protecting yourself at this point to thousands of women across the country. And the reality is, and like I said earlier, it's more for women, but. Um, <laughs> Pinch Charming, so when you're in a relationship, in a serious, committed relationship, pinch Charming often doesn't have a clue about money, even though he acts like he does. And so that what, what that means is really both parties have to play a role. And what Manish and I like to say um, is that when you're in a serious and committed relationship, you need to get financially naked with each other. And that basically means that, you know, if you're willing to take your clothes off in one way, you know, it's time to talk finances when you're in a serious, committed relationship.
2: And you're finding that's it's difficult. People don't like to admit what's going on financially.
3: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing, Jordan. The reality is, as you I'm um, sure know, money is the number one cause of stress in life in general. It's also the number one cause of fights in relationships and the number one cause of divorce. And A key piece of that is lack of communication. Um, There's kind of every reason in the book why people don't do it, but I'll tell you, um, at this point, we've met probably every time we speak, and like I said, at this point we've spoken to quite a few people. um, A woman will come up at the end, and she'll be in all different shapes and sizes, meaning, you know, extremely intelligent more often than not. It's not related at all to intelligence, and she'll have gotten the short end of a stick in a relationship. You know, just one recent example was speaking to a lawyers and bankers association, um, and a lawyer came up afterwards, this super high-powered lawyer. She's 60 years old, and she said, I wish I would have heard this advice from protecting myself 20 years ago. Very successful. Her husband was sitting at home day-trading the money away. She felt bad for him that she was this high-powered lawyer, and he didn't have a job Um, she knew he was day trading she didn't really know the extent of it and now they're divorced why because of money and she's left at 60 to start over so that's just you know one of many examples we see what are some
2: examples of of people who've uh, read the book and put the advice into uh, action and what difference has it made in their lives
3: yeah so this is this is what we love is actually seeing the impact, so you know i 'll just give you just one example of a woman who I spoke to recently. Um, she told me she said sharon i 'm turning thirty tomorrow, and because of your book, the following things have been done. I have an emergency fund, so ironically, she was a massage therapist, and that took a lot of stress out of her life to actually know that. You need an emergency fund. You know, you've got to plan for life's unexpected. She said, I have an emergency fund. I've paid down my credit card debt from $3,000. It was about 18% at this high-interest debt. And guess what? Tomorrow or whatever it was, the next week on my 30th birthday, I'm paying off my car loan one year early thanks to your advice, and I'm finally starting a 401K. So I think what we do, and we've seen many examples of that, is, give people a roadmap. You know, in, in in investing, another example is, you know what? I thought it was so good saving. A woman who has a Stanford MBA, you know, gave us this example. She said, I had saved all this money. I had even put money aside in my 401K plan, but I forgot to take the second step. It's not like a savings account. I forgot that if I go to dinner, I have to order off the menu. I can't have my money in cash, which is where it sat for her, for the entire bull market, a Stanford, you know, smart person. Um, but you know, it's that kind of. What's amazing, Jordan, is it's that kind of basic, basic stuff, but yet so powerful that we get emails about quite frequently.
2: Again, I'm speaking with Sharon Kadar, who, along with uh, Manisha Thakur, is the uh, co-author of the book called uh, "On Your Own, On My Own, Two Feet." Uh, Modern girls' uh, guide to personal finance: How to save and invest wisely, achieve financial security uh, on your own finances, uh, to own your own finances and own your own life. Uh, Tell people about the uh, website. If there is a phone number to find out more about the book.
3: Sure. So the the listeners can go to onmyowntwofeet.com and two is spelled out. So T W O. Uh, We do have a newsletter that folks can sign up for and be kept in the loop.
2: Okay, so let's start right in here. The first uh, chapter, you're talking about uh, saving uh, more. We talked about a little bit about the emergency fund. Um, how can people start saving when, in fact, it seems as though they're just making it uh, paycheck to paycheck?
3: Right. So, so what we've seen, I, I love this question because what we've seen is it really is – Uh, mentality. There's two parts to it. There's knowing where you're going and knowing that you can get there with time and commitment. And let me back up and say, we know people who save on $30,000 a year, and we know people who don't save, as I was saying earlier, on $300,000 or more a year. So the first thing is, once you're making a livable wage, and in these tough times, to be clear, we have tremendous empathy for those that are not making a livable wage. But once you are, and you know where you're going, setting up a plan to get there with time and commitment. So if you know, based to your point, Jordan, on Chapter 1 of On My Own Two Feet, that you need to be saving 15% of your gross or your before-tax income, roughly, roughly. Um, that's the advice we give for uh, folks who are in their 20s and 30s, and that that needs to go about 5% of that to your emergency fund and to big-ticket items. Wouldn't it be nice if we could all just, you know, write a check for cars and homes, but it doesn't usually work that way. You've got to save up for those big-ticket items. And about 10% for retirement. You know, knowing that, you, that that's where you need to go and what that means to your life, because ultimately it's for us it's not a book about money. It's about empowering you to lead the life you want, where money really is the enabler, you can set up a plan to get there over time. You know, just an example of a woman here, I live in San Francisco in town, who when she first read that, her eyes bugged out of her head. Are you kidding? I live in San Francisco. You know, this is crazy, 15%. Okay, well, you know, let's get creative. Let's talk about how you can get there. What did she do? She took her raises, um, and instead of increasing her standard of living, she took her raises over a couple-year period and put them to her retirement goal, and she got there. So what we're not saying is get there overnight, but what we are saying is, if anything, this current economic time is a big wake-up call and it's time to go back to the days where we actually do save money and, you know, housing prices don't always go up and there's reasons that you need an emergency fund. And you know what? Our parents and grandparents did it, and we can do it too.
2: So where should people put their emergency fund? I mean, they're earning basically zero today on treasury bills and money market funds you know, 1% to 2%, where should they put their emergency funds?
3: Yeah, I mean, we'd say, look, your money market, um, you know, a money market account or fund or a savings account is essentially where, in our view, you should put your emergency fund and uh, your money for your big-ticket items. Um, that's really, to us, about protecting that money from inflation, obviously you're going to get, you know, a couple points higher or lower in your money market fund, depending what's going on. But, you know, the real point is to keep that money safe. Um, I wouldn't put your emergency fund in a CD. Uh, If you knew that your big ticket items you didn't need for X time period, that could be reasonable. But, you know, the whole point is to keep it safe.
2: And are you saying to set aside uh, the savings on an automatic basis of some kind, or do you actually should, should write checks for it, or how, how do you make sure it actually happens?
3: Yeah, so 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 we've seen it work both ways. In some some cases, folks you know just kind of have to make that mental shift and have the luxury of being able to say, okay, wow, I didn't realize $2,000 is the average unexpected expenses in a given year. Let me set that money aside. Oh, I need to build up to three to six months of living expenses. Let me set it aside for other folks, um, what's Work tremendously well is to just say, um, you know, set up an automatic draw from your paycheck of, you know, $50 for whatever time period works until you get to your, your target goal. That, that can be a great way to instill discipline, to your point.
2: So uh, even though people are, you know, really feeling tight, you still think ten, fifteen percent is doable for most people these days.
3: I think the key is over time. Yes, I think it is doable. People are surprised. I mean, the other, the other piece of it, of course, um, is the budget, which you know we can we can talk about. Uh, if you'd like after the break, but we Manisha's will. taught me that doesn't need to be a four-letter word.
2: <laughs> Indeed. Okay, I'm speaking with Sharon Kadar, uh, who is an MBA and uh, author, co-author with uh, Manisha Thakur of a book called On My Own Two Feet, A Modern Girl's Guide to Personal Finance. And we'll be back after this.
0: Money, money. Up to date business and financial news. Money, money. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business. have you found yourself overwhelmed or stalled? Not getting the goals you dream of? Hear what the experts say about how you can break through solutions, systems, skills. Get your strategy on track and accelerate your business success. Join Linda Feinholz every Monday for The Spark Effect. Linda and her guests will show you and your team exactly how to grow your business further, faster, easier. The Spark Effect is heard every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network.
4: There are so many challenges facing management today around the world. The New Management Network is here to provide practical insight and solutions for many of these challenges. Hosts Don and Bonnie Folk will explore topics designed to help you get the competitive upper hand, including organizational tools, personality and leadership, cutting-edge management tips, and much more. Join the New Management Network live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network.
0: stock market floor to your laptop we are voice america business
1: you've been listening to the money answer show with jordan goodman if you have a question for jordan or his guest please call us now at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 now back to jordan welcome back
2: to the money answer show this is jordan goodman your host and my guest this hour is sharon Kadar, who along with manisha thakur has Done a book called On My Own Two Feet A Modern Girl's Guide to Personal Finance. Welcome back to the show, Sharon. Thank you. Uh, Credit cards is the next area you talk about. Um, We've been getting lots of them. Now, lately, people have been getting their credit records, their credit limits lowered, uh, higher fees, higher interest rates. What are some of the ways you suggest here uh, to manage credit cards more wisely than people are doing today?
3: Yeah, well, so our advice is, you know, kind of keep it simple and long-term oriented, which is that, you know, ultimately if you can't afford to buy something and pay off your credit card in full at the end of the month, unless it's a true emergency, basically stay away from credit card debt at all costs. We're, we're, we're pretty harsh in saying that we think it's, you know, as addictive as getting addicted to drugs um, or the equivalent of, A loan shark. Now that's not to say, because I know that actually most people do have credit card debt, so that's not to say that this is a reason to beat yourself up. But what it is a reason is to realize that if you have an average card and you buy something and you can't afford to pay it off, basically double the cost of what you're paying for whatever you're buying if you're just paying that minimum on it. So um, what we suggest basically is whittling down your stack of plastic. The, The nation has credit carditis with the average American having probably about 15 plastic cards. Last segment we talked about saving really hard to save when you're having balances on 15 different cards so essentially what we recommend is over time whittling that stack of plastic down to two to three cards and uh paying off that high interest uh the highest interest rate first
2: you talk about some common credit card pitfalls what are some of them
3: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that credit cards can be a beautiful thing when used wisely when you're paying them off in advance, but there's a few traps. The first is this whole thing of too many cards, and, you know, it's easy to be sucked in. You go into a store and you're offered 10% off, and that sounds compelling, but once you're sitting there with 15 cards, it's really hard to balance your budget. The other is that your interest rate can just change on you faster than you can, you know, turn your head. So. There's all these compelling rates, like 0% teaser rates, but if you miss the date when that ends, you're really, really going to have a substantially higher rate. If you're late paying your credit card bill, you can be in trouble. And frankly, if you're late paying any of your bills, credit card companies can use that as a reason to raise your rate. So um, it's, it's really tricky, tricky business to feel any sort of comfort on whatever interest rate you have on your credit card. Uh, we 're also very wary of cash advances and free checks. Those things basically end up costing you a whole lot more than is prudent to be paying so that 's really, really only for an emergency that substantially benefits the credit card company more than than you and um, other than that, I guess the the big one is you know, if you do order a new card, just watch out for the bait and switch So make sure that what you actually ordered is what you qualified for and that what you got is what you thought you were getting.
2: Because a lot of companies today, credit card companies, are uh, raising rates, even if you paid perfectly on time and so on, charging fees, over-limit charges, late fees of all types that are really very, very high, and and it costs a lot more than people think in getting into uh, credit card trouble these days
3: yeah exactly so so while short term there can be some fancy footwork in terms of playing the credit card game long term, in our view, the only prudent answer is to you know pay off that credit card debt and you know to set up a plan, I mean you know one of the things that I love that Manisha put in the book was you know just a real keep it simple plan of okay, if you have credit card debt of five thousand dollars or less, you know look for that extra fifty dollars a month you know if you have between five and ten thousand, pay an extra hundred a month you know or over 10,000 pay at least an extra 150 a month so just kind of really keep it simple rules of thumbs in our busy busy lives to get out of that credit card debt
2: you finally talk about misplaced trust. What do you mean by that, with relates to credit cards?
3: Yeah, well, you know, essentially, um, unfortunately, we love that everyone were good people in today's day, but there's what we call unwanted intruders, and you might get a email or a phone call from a credit card company that sounds like it's real, but it could be a hoax. So, if you do get. Uh, into a situation like that, you know call your credit card company back using the phone number on the back of your card to make sure it's really a valid car uh, valid call. Um, separate from that kind of theft, I'd be wary of credit card companies adding on services like trying to sell you, you know account monitoring or disability insurance, basically trying to charge you more money. Um, and then finally, if you do get any sort of offers in the mail, we all probably have our mailboxes still reasonably stuffed with higher interest but still, you know, getting credit card offers, don't just throw those out because people can and do basically take them out of your trash and then sign up for a card in your name. So shred those or tear them up into tiny, tiny pieces. And actually, finally... important for folks to know that if you do get your card stolen, you're typically only liable for about $50 if you report that card, I think, within a 24-hour period. So you know, those are some of the trust issues to address when managing credit cards.
2: We're going to get on speaking with Sharon Kadour, uh, who is the co-author, along with Manisha Thakur, of uh, On My Own Two Feet, A Modern Girl's Guide to Personal Finance. And your next area you talk about is credit scores. Now, lately, credit scores have been going down because of the credit crunch and companies being tighter with people. You miss one payment, your score can go down. What are some of the things that uh, people should be doing to get their credit scores up, and what kind of mistakes are they making with credit scores these days?
3: Yeah, so the biggest thing that people do with a credit score, and, you know, it's important to, let let me just back up and say, I I do think it's important for people to be aware of it, and most people aren't um, aware of what their credit score is, so if you don't know what that number is, it's your three-digit number, that's your financial reputation, and, you know, it literally tells um, companies how much to charge you for a cars, auto loans, interest rate, your mortgage interest rate, whether you even, you know, get access to those, whether you even get access to insurance and at what rate. Increasingly, employers are looking at that number. So um, I'd go to myfico.com and at least check one. You really have three. um there's three big credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, but I'd at least check one of those. And the biggest thing, um, it's kind of uh, – like how do you make sausage so it's kind of unclear exactly how it's done the process is a little bit ugly but the biggest thing for people is really to pay your bills on time I mean folks want to you know kind of get fancy about how to improve that credit score but by far the number one thing is don't miss a payment you know and pay those bills on time I mean other than that you can keep the amount that you own your credit cards as low as possible Try to keep your oldest credit um, card account open because they look at something called credit history, and your oldest card shows a longer credit history. Um, if you are going to be making a major purchase like a car or a home, you know, don't close down a bunch of old credit cards. Sounds kind of weird, but it can shorten the length of your credit history. Um, so those are those are some of the extra tips you can do, and also not applying for a bunch of credit cards all at once that makes uh, creditors nervous. But the biggest thing by far is to um, make sure you're, you're paying your bills on time. Um, in addition to that though, the way your credit report is derived is through, um, or rather your credit score is derived is from your credit report. And one thing that can really mess up your credit score is if your credit report is inaccurate. And there's an astounding number of people's files that have inaccurate information, personal information that isn't yours, accounts that aren't yours, outdated information. And the good news is the government, I think a couple years ago now, um, allowed you to get a free copy of each of your credit reports from the three main credit bureaus. You can go, there's a lot of imposter sites, but the site where that's free is annualcreditreport.com. So, if you go to annualcreditreport.com, you know what you could do, unless you just love reading through a hundred pages of your credit history. You could um, look at each of the three credit bureaus over a year's time period, meaning look at one report every four months. Um, and if you're going to look at all of them and just make sure they're all accurate, you might want a glass of wine because it is probably going to be, you know, a fair, fairly dense. Uh, and how session. do
2: you? If you see errors on there, what's the best way to get rid of them? Do you use these uh, credit repair people out there who say they can get errors off your report?
3: Yeah, you know, Manish and I are by no means experts in, in, in that area. Um, what we, we're, we're kind of basic keep it simple. So if you see errors, you can directly contact the, the credit um, bureau to have them fix those errors. And I've done that um, when I've seen errors in my report. So um, it's pretty straightforward once you go to annualcreditreport.com to be able to either send them an email or do it online. Now, in terms of you know, those credit repair firms, um, we, we, we just are not experts in that. Uh, the next
2: area you talk about in your book, which again is called On My Own Two Feet, is insurance and protecting yourself. Do you find a lot of women do not have uh, adequate insurance in various areas?
3: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, frankly, this is an area where it's both men and women. And a lot of people get bitter about insurance, um, you know, but the reality is health insurance, number one, there is an astounding number of people who actually can afford to get health insurance but, you know, choose not to. And then obviously there's um, and way too many people who just can't afford it at all and hopefully, you know, a separate topic, but hopefully that will be addressed because that's obviously terrible but bankruptcies often are caused by not having health insurance or a lack of health insurance. So, you know, that's an area number one. And, you know, what we tell a lot of people, especially this tends to skew younger, kind of 20s and 30s, where this problem can show up the most, but... Um, you know, at least get a catastrophic plan. This is all about protecting your assets and protecting your income. So if you don't want to spend a ton of money on health insurance, you know, God forbid something horrible happens, there's what's called high-deductible catastrophic plans. And if you're healthy in your 20s, you can get such a plan as low as $100 a month um, and a good website to compare plans is ehealthinsurance.com. But um, you know, just assuming you're going to be healthy—that's that's really, you know, unfortunately, we've we've met far too many people who have assumed that, and then you know, really bad things have happened. Um, so are there
2: some affordable ways to get health? I mean, one of the reasons people drop yeah. it or don't have it is it just so expensive. The premiums are going up so much. What yeah. are some no, ways it, of getting yeah. it in an affordable way?
3: Yeah. So I mean, that's that's a really that's a really tough. Tough one, and and so there we do have a lot of empathy. But I guess we'd say one is you know the most affordable way is you know what we just chatted about these high deductible catastrophic plans. Um, that probably seems like a, a base minimum to get. And then of course you have your choice between a PPO or an HMO, and an HMO can often be a more affordable way where you give up some flexibility. You can't see you know every doctor you want to see, but um, you know it's much more affordable. So hunting around on eHealthInsurance.com. And figuring out what fits for you know you, the listener, um, I think is a great way to do it.
2: Very good. Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Sharon Kadar, uh, whose book is called On My Own Two Feet, and we'll be back after this.
0: Stocks, bonds, 401ks, investments, refinancing, we can help you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. Voice America Business.
5: No excuses. No delays. If you have goals you want to achieve or changes you need to make, then it's time to take charge of your life with America's change buddy, Nancy Christie. This show will help you lead a more productive and fulfilling life starting now. Take Charge of Your Life challenges you to expand your sense of possibilities. Take Charge of Your Life with Nancy Christie is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Let change change be a positive force in your life
0: the bottom line in business voice America business
1: you've been listening to the money answer show with Jordan Goodman if you have a question for Jordan or his guest please call us now at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 now back to Jordan
2: welcome back to the money answer show this is Jordan Goodman your host and my guest this hour is Sharon Kedar, uh who, along with Manisha Thakur, is the author of On My Own Two Feet, A Modern Girl's Guide to Personal Finance. Welcome back to the show, Sharon. Thank you. We're in the middle of insurance, and we were talking a little bit about, uh, we, we did health insurance, car insurance. Uh, what, what do people do wrong there and not get enough insurance, and what are the, the consequences of that?
3: Sure, so the the biggest area most people focus on with car insurance is their deductible, but where you really need to focus is on your liability coverage. That can um, substantially mess up your finances. So insurance, again, is all about protecting your assets. And just check your, you know, for all the listeners, check your uh, level of liability coverage to make sure you have sufficient coverage. What's amazing is to get higher coverage usually isn't that expensive. So what we like to see, you know, kind of the even better coverage, we call it, is $250,000 of coverage for bodily injury for uh, one person, $500,000 500000 for all people and 100000 for property damage because if you're liable in a car accident, they can, you know, whomever you um, injured can actually come after your assets. So having that kind of protection is really powerful and important and usually, like I said, not that much more expensive.
2: You also talk about life insurance. Do a lot of women not have enough life insurance? They typically rely on the man to do that?
3: yeah but what what's amazing too you know, and I know um from from reading your bio that you have a child, and I have a um, one and another on the way I'm six months pregnant um There are so many people who, even when they're making a reasonable income, don't have life insurance when they have kids, so that's when it's most important. I think it's okay if you don't have life insurance, if there's not someone relying on you, but if you have a spouse relying on you, or if you have children, it's a huge responsibility to make sure that you have life insurance, God forbid something happened to you, um, that they would be financially protected. And a side note to that, too, is to make sure when you do have those kids that that You are appointing a guardian. Um, a lot of times, life gets really busy after having a kid, and um, we've heard many stories of people whose kids are, you know, three plus years old, and there's still no guardian appointed.
2: And uh, within life insurance, do you think people should do term or cash value, or some combination? How much should they get?
3: Yeah, we are big fans of term insurance. We're very much fans of keep it simple. And what we'd say is something like, you know, as much as 15 times your annual income. It really depends on your situation. You have to kind of look at how old are your kids, you know, how long would you need this life insurance for. But you could look at coverage as much as 15 times your income. It really depends how old your kids are and what your situation is. But term life, term life, term life, that's our view.
2: And you talk about the different ways of buying insurance. What are some of the ways people should uh, actually go ahead and buy insurance?
3: Yeah, I mean you can essentially you can go online. I think that's probably the easiest way, and, and compare you know from various websites. But some tips that we would have, um, and, and side note, if you're more comfortable talking with someone, you know, then call an agent directly. But there's a few things to remember. First of all, cheaper is not always better when it comes to buying insurance. So we really, really like the reputable firms. Um, it's funny, you know, this book came out a year and a half ago, and we've seen some of the blow-ups that have happened on Wall Street. You you know, this was written well before that. But the point is, when you buy insurance, you want that company to be around. Um, so don't necessarily do cheaper is better. Make sure you're comfortable with the firm. And when you're shopping around, you know, do get a few quotes because you can have a um, significant variance there. And also, you know, if you're buying your health insurance or life insurance or disability insurance, car insurance, you can look for what are called multi-policy discounts. So some firms give you a discount if you buy multiple types of insurance from them.
2: Okay. So on we go to the next area, which is uh, budgeting and uh... You find a lot of people who really don't have budgets. How is it possible to institute a budget and not have it be a straitjacket?
3: Right, right, which is, you know, and I'll be the first to say, so let me just kind of be clear, Manisha's our financial genius, and I'm, you know, more of our financial delinquent, and I really did think a uh, budget was a four-letter word until she, you know, showed me otherwise. So the, the point is, you know, if you're making money and you're trying to live from a position of financial strength, A budget can help you to understand where your money is going and make sure it's going to the places that give you the most joy in life. Um, And it's all about balancing today and tomorrow. We have a really keep it simple, I think it's Chapter 5 pie chart that shows you roughly where your money should be going. So how much to save for the future. You know, how much you can spend on fun, because we're definitely still believers in fun, even in this economy, um, and then how much kind of for your core expenses. Uh, we're, we're not uh, big fans of looking backwards. We think that can create a lot of headaches for people. If you haven't budgeted before and you're not meeting your savings goal, just sticking a piece of paper and a pen you know, in your purse or in your bag, if you're a guy, you know, and just writing down where you're spending money over the next one month to two months and then, you know, kind of splitting it out to, okay, where do I actually really have to spend? What are my, we call them foundation expenses versus fun expenses and figuring out what to cut out? It can really be empowering. You know, and I'm not saying you'll necessarily love the process, but the outcome just can be incredibly powerful and feel quite the opposite of a straitjacket.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, then you talk in this book, and again I'm speaking uh, with um, Sharon Kadar, uh, whose book is called On My Own Two Feet. She did it along with Manisha Thakur uh, about investing and, and why people should be investing. Uh, I mean, this, this year when we've had such enormous declines in blue chip stocks and indexes and all the things that you're supposed to be doing, and yet you lost 30, 40, 50% of your money, it kind of discourages people from investing. Why should they invest in a, in a bear market that we're clearly in here?
3: Yeah, that, so, so there's a couple key points to that. So first of all, um, when you do invest, you need to invest wisely, and I'm sure we'll talk about you know, kind of our, our view on what that means. But um, to be clear, we've always said that you shouldn't even think about going near the stock market, Unless you have five or more years on your side, and especially in times like this, the more you know, more would be better. Five, ten years um, on your side, and that's because well, historically the stock market has gone up, well, you know, whatever in the past 80 years, on average of 10 percent a year, you better put on your seatbelt. We've always said that, even in the great times, it's a bumpy ride. It's an up, uh, it's a bumpy ride on the upside and on the downside. And in fact, in more than one in four years, the stock market loses money so you better expect expect that there's years where you lose money so you know that's, that's first of all and so therefore what you don't want to do is take your house down payment that you need in two years and put it in the stock market but the second thing and the beautiful thing about your question there Jordan is um, like I was saying my background is in investing and what we see both with um, individuals and also with big companies is while the way to make money is to buy low and sell high, right? Sounds pretty, pretty simple. You know, buy for $5, sell for $10. Buy low, sell high. The average human tendency is to do just the opposite. So you might love a company when it's, you know, flying high, it's at its peak stock price, it's doing great. And then, you know, you really don't like it when it's fallen in half like most businesses have. But um, the reality is if you do invest prudently and with a plan that fits your needs, and obviously everyone needs to tailor to their own needs and, he got the financial help that's right for them. Um, now is probably going to be, you know, we, we might see some pain before we, you know, things turn around. That That's very, very possible. But now it's probably going to be a pretty good time when you're thinking about buying low and selling high. It's definitely lower than it was a year ago.
2: Indeed it is. Now you're a big proponent uh, here of index funds. In a case like this where you've had a big market decline, there's it's kind of no breaks on an index fund. You, you get exactly what the index is, and that's down dramatically this year. Do you think it's better to do that than to do a balanced fund, or <clears throat> asset allocation fund, or something?
3: Yeah. So, so, so our view is, you know, <coughs> money that you don't need for five or more years. Um, If you're under the age of 50, we think the stock market, as as tough advice as that is to swallow right now given what the market's done, um, is a compelling place to invest. But what we don't believe is that to do that wisely, you need to go pick the next Google. You know, in fact, the experts more often than not don't beat these passive index funds. So the question to the listeners would be, you know, Why do you think you can? Um, And so with 80-plus percent of active mutual funds not beating the index, we're big proponents of considering the index. The other thing, though, Jordan, since most people's money will be in retirement funds for this, you know, five, five or more years, um, a target date retirement fund, which is kind of like a set it and forget it rotisserie chicken that, to your point, does the asset allocation for you as you get to your retirement year, that can also be a beautiful thing. So that over time, obviously, you'll want to own less stocks and more bonds and cash equivalents. And, and that can be a keepal, keep it simple way to to address
2: that. Uh, you did have a chapter on frequently asked questions about investing. <clears throat> One of them here is about uh, making a killing in real estate using leverage. Uh, I guess people are getting killed rather than making a killing these days with leverage in real estate, but I- is this a good time to be buying real estate as an investment now that prices have come down so much and so much of the fluff has come out of the real estate market?
3: okay, so you' you're, you know the big caveat up front is there's a heavy bias from us, and you know we actually you know have pretty conservative housing advice that's not questioned anymore, but a year and a half ago, you know, to tell someone they needed a twenty percent down payment and to think about living in a house for five years, you know almost seemed ridiculous. but um we're big believers that for most people, the home, you know, when you're ready to buy a home, home ownership can be a beautiful thing, and that that's really. The place where you know you can have sufficient real estate um, investments, real estate investing beyond that sounds compelling, but more often than not it doesn't work out. You get a renter who's calling at three in the morning or who's sublet to someone that you don 't know about we're not big believers in um, you know unless you want to do that professionally
2: so you can't use like a property manager or somebody else to do rental real estate. I would think in this environment. Where rents are up and prices are down, it actually makes more sense to do rental real estate.
3: Yeah, you, you you could, but you're talking to to you know to to me and to you know my co-author Manisha, who really believe in keep it simple. And we've just seen way too many cases where that sounds like a beautiful thing, and real estate's an illiquid investment, and someone needs the money, and then they're having trouble selling, or they have to sell for 25 percent less than the price. So you you could, but we obvious we have our obvious bias.
2: Alrighty, very good. Okay, I'm speaking with Sharon Kadar, who, along with Manisha Thakur, is the author of On My Own Two Feet, a modern girl's guide to personal finance. Their website is onmyowntwofeet, spelled out T-W-O, onmyowntwofeet.com. We'll be back after this.
0: Sell, buy, buy, sell. All we talk about is money. Talk to an expert. Call now. now. Toll free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America America Business. Business.
5: and pundit Michael DeMarco You don't know what's coming next The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America
0: The Internet's only all business and financial radio network Voice America Business
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. And my guest this hour is Sharon Kadar, who is author, along with Manisha Thakur, of On My Own Two Feet. A Modern Girl's Guide to Personal Finance. Welcome back to the show, Sharon. Thank you. Um, you talk towards the end about your heart and your money, um, and you're saying that uh, people get into real trouble uh, in their relationships when their financial situation goes, goes, hard, goes down the wrong way. What are some things people can do uh, to head that off and to have a better financial relationship so the rest of their relationship goes well?
3: So the first thing for both men and women is really not to assume that the other person has it together, financially speaking. And what I mean is it just doesn't matter if that person has a business degree, they have an MBA. That is not a precursor to good personal finance. So once, and I'm not talking first date, but once you're in a serious, committed relationship, It's time to reveal yourself, financially speaking. That's um, what Manish and I like to call get financially naked. Now, a lot of people think that's a scary thing, but what we say is, done right, you can have a constructive conversation about money, and it's important because financial compatibility, we would assert, is every bit, if not more important, as emotional and physical compatibility. And having that discussion up front or wherever you are in your relationship can go a long way towards eliminating money-related stress. So, you know, what does that mean? So we're literally saying once you're in a serious, committed relationship, exchange a list of what you own, what you owe, And if you have any question about the other person's financial responsibility, that three-digit number called your credit score. Now, this sounds really straightforward, but most people actually don't do it. Um, You know, I was talking with a woman who does have a business degree who got married, and she was telling me that she felt that it was um, presumptive of her to bring this up. So before they got engaged, she said, forget about it. And once they were engaged, she said, we were so busy planning the wedding that she figured she'd deal with it after the marriage. And, you know, once you pulled back the covers and saw what was underneath, it was a really ugly picture. So, you know, when you're in that dating process and getting towards marriage, there's a million reasons why people don't talk about it. And even when you are married, um, you know, one woman was telling me, uh, she's a mother of two kids, that she raised this topic about, you know, let's really talk about the finances she had deferred to her partner. And he said to her, why are you thinking about leaving me? So um, it can be a tricky, tricky topic to bring up, but it's Probably, of, for, of all of On My Own Two Feet, and we're talking about the Love and Money chapter, which is Chapter 14, the most popular chapter, um, and many people have used Manisha and I as their wing women, saying, hey, you know, read this chapter and let's talk about it, meaning if you're having trouble bringing it up, you know, use that chapter and use us as your wing women to bring it up. But not bringing it up could end in disaster.
2: Do you think it makes sense if the man or the woman... Uh, takes care of the finances or should they be shared jointly or what's the best way to kind of handle them on a day-to-day basis?
3: So, so what's amazing about that is the key is communication. And let me explain what I mean by that. So first of all, we often get the question about, you know, is it the man or the woman? It, it really doesn't matter as long as you're clear on who handles what financial chores You set up regular financial checkups, you know, at least annually. Tax time, as unfun as that is, can be a good time to do it. And that whomever is responsible for the financial chores does take the onus on them to tell the other person if something goes south. So, for instance, if you're in charge of investing and something you've invested in went either substantially up or down, you need to keep your partner in the loop on those major events. Um, now, the other thing um, there is, you know, traditionally, um, you know, it's not the case for Manisha and I, probably not a big surprise in, in our relationships, but traditionally, the the man ends up being responsible for the investing. We see that more often than not. That's not... You know, wrong, but it is a situation where you know the the woman does need to be kept in the loop. And um, often we see uh, where you know the partner who's not doing the day to day will just feel intimidated or say, you know, I don't understand those companies you're invested in. You know, just forget about it. But you still need to be involved and and know the basics um, and know the right questions to ask. The, the the one other big question we do get is on joint or separate bank accounts. So, you know, do you fully merge your money like um, my husband and I have done or do you do the financial three way like Manisha and her husband do? And the interesting thing there is both can work terrifically well as long as you follow what I talked about earlier, the steps in terms of communicating and making sure it's clear who, fan- who handles what financial chores and that you do do those check-ins to make sure you're going um, where you wanna go as a couple and as a family.
2: Do you think most couples should have prenuptial agreements?
3: Whew, that's interesting. You'll, you'll probably get a different answer from Manisha than you would um, from me. Um, I'll tell you straight um, straightforward here. Um, I do not have one, and I'm very comfortable with that. I think it, it depends on what your situation is, what your comfort level is. If it's a second marriage, you probably should strongly consider it. Um, but if it's your first, you know, it's just a situation of what is comfortable for you.
2: And so, I mean, is that a rising thing? Are more and more people doing that in first marriages these days?
3: They are, and, and, and more and more women are asking for them. So I guess what I'd say is if, if that's something that you're considering, um, not to be shy about bringing it up. Definitely now is the time. And you can also do a post-nup, um, but that, that's definitely something. And, and the reality for, for all of us that we know is 50% of marriages do end in divorce. So it, it can be helpful. We all hope for the best and you know, kind of plan for the worst.
2: You say at the end that the Prince Charming may not know about money even if he acts like he does. Is this common that men kind of put across a good front but in fact don't know what they're doing?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not to throw the whole male gender under the bus by any means, but the reality is traditionally... men have assumed the role just historically, you know, that's changing, which is a great thing, but, um, you know, with more balance, but men have assumed the role and um, more often than not, we see, you know, the other partner in the relationship who just assumes he knows what he's doing or, you know, for instance, back to the investing example, you know, she'll say, well, I know he owns 20, you know, 20 companies for us in our investing portfolio and he seems to understand them pretty well, when the question might be, you know, why is he's stock picking? You know, why is why are you owning individual companies when he's going to work during the day and maybe you should have index funds or mutual funds? So, yeah, I mean, most of America, um, like we were talking about earlier, just doesn't learn the basics. So to assume that your partner knows what they're doing just because they can talk the talk um, is actually a risky business.
2: As we come to a close here, Sharon, just kind of give us an overall a view of, of you know what people can do that they think they probably can't do as far as taking care of their personal finances. Uh, particularly if they haven't, haven't had much background on these things.
3: Yeah, so I mean, I think that, I think On My Own Two Feet is a great primer. I mean, it's really basic. The book's done super well. Um, the only criticism we've ever gotten is that it's basic. But I think the big thing for people, which to us is a huge compliment, and what I mean by that, I think the big thing for people to remember is personal finance can and should be simple. If you don't understand it, stay away. And the key to personal finance success is really doing a few basic things right. I mean, I personally, Manisha loves the minutia of personal finance. I find the details boring, yet we're both able to craft plans that work for us. So don't think that you have to love personal finance or the details of a specific area for it to work. And then finally, I would say, you know, just to remember, because a lot of people can feel like this is drudgery, why you're doing it. So the cover of our book says, Own Your Finances, Own Your Life. And to us, this is not a book about money. It's a book about leading the life you want to lead, choosing jobs and partners for the right reasons. So remember why you're doing it.
2: Well, thanks so much, Sharon. It's been fascinating. Uh, again, uh, Sharon Kadar's book is called On My Own Two Feet. Her website is onmyowntwofeet, spelling out Two.com. Uh, uh, and it's been uh, terrific to have you on the show. Thanks again.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: And we'll be back again next week.
1: Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.
0: All we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk talk money money all all the time. Voice America Business.